What's up, everyone? So just before I let you get stuck into this episode, which oof, it's a juicy one, I just want to plug my course, Queen Out, because doors are closing for this epic journey in two, three days from now. Uh, and I really want you to be part of it. My darling labial legends get a $200 discount. There's the discount code and the link in the show notes. So please check that out. I did a poll recently on my Instagram account, just asking everyone, are you truly sexually fulfilled and satisfied in your sex life? And the result of that poll was just overwhelmingly, no, no, I'm not. (laughs) Um, And through my work, through, you know, different surveys, through chatting with people, through talking to clients, I know for a fact the majority of women are not satisfied or fulfilled in their sex life, whether they're partnered or single. And so Queen Out is designed specifically to combat this. Whether you have a partner, whether you're single, whether you're monogamous, whether you're poly, it doesn't really matter. The course is for you. It's for everyone. And it's going to help you with communication in the bedroom, with body image, with confidence, with getting out of your head, with learning how to orgasm either on your own, with a partner, multiple times in a row, having different forms and different kinds of orgasms. It's going to teach you about your pleasure anatomy. It's it's going to give you the tools that you really should have received in sex ed. So I really encourage you if for whatever reason you're not super satisfied in your sex life, if you have issues with orgasming or with pleasure, with pelvic floor tension or pain or numbness in your vagina, if you struggle to communicate about your desires or boundaries, if you are a chronic people pleaser, if you're always in your head and overthinking things, if you feel self-conscious in the bedroom, um, if you seem to just be attracting dickheads that aren't actually honoring and respectful and worshipping your body. This course is for you. I'd love to support you. Go to the link in the show notes, check out what's involved, jump on board, use that discount code. It gets you 200 bucks off. It's pretty freaking good. Um, And I really back this, like scroll down, read the testimonials. It works. Anyway, I've got Joe on today. He's a romantic at heart. He's a total babe. He's created a really cool new dating app that you'll hear about and other than speaking about, you know, the difference between his dating app and most of the big ones available, we mostly delve into a really interesting conversation around what he's discovered through his research and development, you know, with creating his own dating app, the problem he's trying to solve around like the real sort of like dehumanization that dating apps have brought into the culture. We talk about the culture of dating. We talk about the lingo that's used now and that's necessary now with dating apps. We talk about the pitfalls. We look into red flags flags, green flags, what to kind of look out for and um, dating tips and things like that. So I hope you enjoy this conversation and please join me for Queen Out while doors are still open. This program is brought to you by Pussy Magnets. Welcome, welcome, my lovely lumps. Or should I say lovely labs? I'm so thrilled to have you here in the Labia Lounge to yarn about all things sexuality, womanhood, holistic health, and everything in between. Your legs. Ah, <laughs> oh, can never help myself. Anyway, we're going to have vag loads of real chats with real people about real shit. So buckle up, you're about to receive the sex ed that you never had and have a bloody good laugh while you're at it. 
Before we get stuck in, I'd like to respectfully acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I'm recording this, the Manang people. It's an absolute privilege to be living and creating dope podcast content on Noongar country and I pay respect to their elders past, present and emerging. Now, if you're ready, let's flap and do this. <laughs> oh God, is there such thing as too many vagina jokes in the one intro? <laughs> Whatever, I'm leaving it in. It's my podcast. Don't panic, you're not broken. Your sex education was a piece of shit. Get your flaps out and pull up a couch. It's the Lady Welcome back, my labial loungers. I've got Joe. Oh my God, I do this every time. How do I pronounce your last name? Is it Feminella? Perfect. That was great. Okay. <laughs> Honestly, I can't even tell you how many times that's happened. And I'm like, I've got so and so. Oh, fuck. Um, anyway, I've got Joe with me today, founder of First Rounds on Me, which is a dating app. And Joe has a finance and technology background and used his knowledge of both industries and the dating culture in New York to start First Rounds on Me. Having been brought up right before the era of dating apps, Joe saw the vast difference between meeting people organically uh, in person versus the new wave of virtual dating. And seeing the pain points with the dating app wave, Joe wanted to combine the old school way of meeting with the new school adoption of technology to make dating as organic and real as possible, which is a fascinating topic for me because I'm also at that age where I kind of remember what dating was like before all the apps came to the party and I've definitely been known to talk on this podcast a little bit about how dating apps have kind of changed the whole culture around dating, um, in my opinion, often for the worse. <laughs> so I'm really excited to hear from you, Joe, about what you've learned through your journey, like creating and launching First Rounds on Me, because I'm sure through R&D and everything that you would have had to do in that process, you've learned a lot of interesting stats and insights and stuff. And yeah, First Rounds on Me sounds really exciting to me because of, of, of the twist, but I'm going to let you chat about that. So welcome to the Labia Lounge. Yeah, no, this is exciting. Um, it's funny when my wife saw the title of the uh, podcast, she was like, oh, this looks like an interesting one. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, exactly we talk about. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm super excited to talk about the dating app and just kind of like my mission and like why I started it. And mm -hmm. I think that's super important, right? Like I always tell people like when you start a dating app, you can kind of get thrown into the stigma of doing it for the wrong reasons or falling into the trap of this certain hookup culture. And I think we're trying to do that mm -hmm. the opposite of that, right? We're trying to really retrain people's brains into how to adapt with dating apps and with technology and kind of just be more intentional and genuine with, with our approach. Mm, beautiful. It's so needed. It's, yeah, it's so necessary. And I'm sure we'll get into chats about, about all of that stuff, but I'm just I'm pumped. I mean, I wouldn't probably get your average dating app founder on here because I'm like, oh, dating apps, God, ruining dating. Um, but I really love what you're trying to do and you're trying to kind of shift it back to the more organic and authentic and humanized way of meeting people, which sometimes technology can kind of remove. So before we get stuck into all of that, can you give me a bit of background on your experience with dating in the past and why you saw this as an important important niche to fill when it comes to dating with apps? Yeah. So I would say like even pr let's put dating aside, right? Just life in general. I was always mm -hmm. just really intrigued by getting to know people on a deep level, right? 
even from a young age, mm. whether it's friends or people I just met in passing. And I don't know why, but I was just like, I just want to get to know what makes people tick. And I guess as I got older into my adult life, like that's kind of what fascinated me most about dating. And like I'm 33. So I, like we said, like we're in that weird age of understanding mm. the dating culture before and during this new wave of dating apps. And <laughs> what fascinated me was like, once you started to use these apps, it was so inorganic that if everybody was on a dating app to use it for the right reason, I think it could work well. But it was so new to our brains. It was so new to our way of life that the communication and misunderstanding threw the whole thing at off. And everybody still to this day is so frustrated with dating apps, but it's so ironic that everybody still uses them. And I think what fascinated me was I lived in a city, New York, right? And in that city, everybody's really outgoing and kind of confident and motivated. And it's kind of all the right, the right people that you'd want to have in a dating pool. And I still saw that not only was everybody struggling with dating or socializing, we were just in this weird influx of misunderstanding. So I was like, okay, I see this big niche in the market. And that really excited me, right? I was like, if you're going to get into some industry, I think figuring out where the hole is, is like step one, right? And I was like, okay, there's definitely a hole here, but let me get people's perspective outside of mine. Cause maybe I might like something that nobody else likes. And as I just started to talk to women, I was like, you know, like what makes you tick? Like, what, what do you want in a dating app? And they kind of all just said the same things. Like if I want to meet somebody, like I want them to take me out and I want to get to know them in person. And I was like, okay, this resonates kind of with what I preach. And that's what I did. I was like, how do I fill these gaps and holes with combining that old school organic way of meeting with this new wave of technology? And I thought New York was the most fascinating place to do it. And the, you know, different characters and people I spoke to with both sexes was just so fascinating. And it led me to kind of create this unique perspective that I made my own. Mm, yeah, cool. That's exciting. I mean, dating apps are pretty irresistible. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't use them anymore. I'm properly partnered, but I remember resisting them for years. Um, just really, I guess there was like a portion of stigma around them still back when I was, because I'm also just about to turn 33. Um, so they were kind of more fresh. It was a little bit less common to use them and it had kind of been seen as like maybe something that older people did. Or, yeah, it just wasn't so commonplace. And so I resisted them for years. And then eventually when I just thought, fuck it, I'm going to give this a go. What's this all about? I realized exactly why. Like it's it's obviously just incredibly addictive because it's this constant dopamine hit. But it's also just it opens up this whole world. And when you're lonely and you want to meet people and you're finding it hard to make new connections with people outside of your kind of pool of you know, social, I guess, people you have access to in your social pool. Um, yeah, it's really tantalizing. And so I really get why people still use them, even though, and I know so many people that would download them, use them for like a couple of weeks and then go, nah, all right, that's it. I've got to get off and then go a couple of weeks and then be like, oh my God, you know, one night sitting at home eating ice cream, like downloaded again. And it was this kind of vicious cycle and people were using them in quite an unhealthy way. Um, and yeah, we're going to get into what makes first rounds on me different and how you're kind of, uh, combating this, this issue with like the way that people use them in this really, um, 
fast throwaway kind of way. Um, do you want to tell us how it works and what makes it different, how you're kind of trying to bridge that gap and make it more human? Yeah, definitely. And, and before I do that, I actually want to touch on a couple of the things you said because they are so important for people to know. Um, like that dopamine, right? That validation. That's one of the main problems with apps today, right? It's like you can sit on your bed or while you're up late mm. at night just typing and randomly connecting. And if you get a like or a match, like it validates you so much and you might not even realize it. Mm. And once that like comes in, that next step of meeting in person it's kind of a secondary step where you're like, I actually don't want to meet somebody. I just wanted that mm -hmm. validation of the match. And take that a step further. Once you do match with somebody, the next step is like the social anxiety, right? A lot of people have social anxiety of actually meeting in real life, right? You might go on mm -hmm. a dating app. I, I want to go on a date tonight. And then when you match with somebody, you kind of second guess it because we put pr so much pressure on ourselves with all these expectations mm -hmm. to these first dates and I think that's problem number two, right? Where then someone might ghost or back out and mm -hmm. again, creates miscommunication. And the other thing, the first thing that you mentioned was like your meet, meet cute story, right? When dating apps first came about, yeah. it was a stigma to be on them, to tell people you met your partner on them. And now it's like more common to meet your partner on a dating app than in real life. And it's kind of fascinating to see how that stigma is kind of, kind of fully shedded and people's meet cute stories include dating apps now. So it's just this yeah, ever evolving yeah. world. Someone was really surprised the other day when they asked how my partner and I met and, and they were like, Oh wow, in person, how old old school. And I was like, Oh my God. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, and it, it's funny because I know a lot of people that use the apps purely for the validation, purely for the dopamine hit, like just so that they have a little ego boost and they have zero intention of meeting these people. Half of them have zero intention of even chatting. They just like the action of the swiping and the little oh, the thrill of like that person and finds me attractive and that's what they do it for which like no judgment i get it but also fuck me it just creates this pretty horrific culture of like lack of accountability and ghosting and just ew it's just pretty like egoic and yeah validation seeking which i don't yeah. blame them but yeah it's it's good so yeah, tell us how you've gotten around that <laughs> yeah yeah so like the first ones on me the first thing we want is the communication to be there where all the users know that they're on there for the right reason. And that right reason we mean is at least leading to a real date because, you know, based off statistics and just the way humans operate, that's the most likely opportunity for two people to connect, right? It might not be like what, what their attraction is led to, right? That's mostly done through, you know, pictures and just visualization in real life. But if you actually want to connect with somebody, that's when that happens in person to like talk to somebody and feel their energy and, and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that's what we want to preach for us is right. Like everybody on our platform knows you're probably going to meet somebody on a real life date and who knows what could happen. And the way we differenti differentiate ourselves is like in three main areas, right? So the first is a lot of people don't know what to do for a first date, right? And it adds a layer of pressure that doesn't need to be there. And with our app, we give you the tools to pick the drink, the time, and the place. And at least once you guys agree to that date, that huge layer of stress is taken care of, right? So it's like refreshing to know that there's a plan in place. Um, and I think that that goes a long way when you don't know somebody, right? It's like, who's going to take the lead here? Do I want to take the lead? Do I want to take the lead? So I think that's a good first step. And 
the next thing is like we only allow the users to connect with to have one date per day, right? So to essentially connect with one person mm-hmm. at a time. And for me, that's really important, right? Because like these other apps, like we were just saying, you don't know how many people the other person's talking to and what level of engagement they have. And it's not their fault. It's just like they've got thrown into this world that no one really knows how to manage yet. And with our app, we're like, okay, why don't you just focus on one person at a time and see what could happen? And, you know, I think that just goes a long way in both people feeling seen and appreciated in that moment. And then the third thing is that the users could only talk to each other 12 hours before the date. So essentially it's like one whole day, right? If your date's at eight o'clock at night, your chat box opens eight o'clock in the morning. And the reason we did that is because we give you a little bit of time to fill each other out, maybe banter for half the day and like, you know, make sure the other person's responsive or normal. But super important for us is like, once you get on that first date, just have it be as real and organic as possible. Just like you met somebody at the bar for the first time, right? And kind of saving those questions of like, hey, Frey, like, where are you from? What do you do? Tell me your story. When that story's told in person in real life, that's when like the energy and the beauty of conversation can easily flow. And if that happens on the phone, on the phone, it's good. Like it's good to like vet somebody, but when you meet them, it's awkward because you kind of know them and there's, there's like no room for easy flow or there's less. You've used up all the obvious conversation cues and you're like, fuck, where do I go from here? (laughs) Exactly. I think that helps with the pressure, right? Like if I met you, like when I met Hannah, I was like, tell me like, where are you from? And she said Australia, right? So I had all these questions about Australia and it just led into this like organic conversation where if I knew all that before we met, maybe I would have had like weird questions about Australia that were like pre-planned and the conversation wouldn't have been, (laughs) but yeah, like that's essentially what we're trying to do. Yeah. Amazing. So you met your wife on a dating app? Yeah. And it's so funny because like while I was making first rounds on me, I still use dating apps and I, I was a fan of them, right? Because I use them for the right reasons. I always wanted to meet somebody in real life. So when we had matched, I, I told her, I said, listen, you know, I'd really like to meet you as soon as possible because the longer we wait on here, yeah. the less likely we'll meet or connect. And to my surprise, she was like, okay, I'm free tonight. And I was like, wow, okay. So she was like, oh, I'm a vegan, by the way, if you're going to find a spot. So I just Googled the closest vegan restaurant to me. And I said, I'll see you at this place at eight o'clock. And she said, sure. And uh, we met and it kind of, I mean, it worked perfectly, obviously, because we fell in love, but it just kind of helped me believe in what I was doing. I was like, okay, wow, this actually works because both me and this person believe the same way and we fell in love. And if we didn't use the app the way that I would like people to use the app, we probably would have never even met. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, I love it when someone's just on board and they're like, yeah, why not? Like, let's not – what's that – I swear, I don't even know what this means, but when I was on the dating apps, there was a lot of, uh, I'm not here to fuck spiders. What does that mean? Is that like, let's bang or like, let's just not fuck around texting and let's go on a date? I'm going to say the latter. (laughs) Yeah, because there's all of this lingo that I was never quite sure that I – had had a handle on and even just um with the I guess the main 
the, as far as I know, and I'm very out of the loop, there's like the main three, like Hinge, Bumble, and Tinder. And I, I noticed like people would talk about, there was these emerging cultures that were unique to each app. And so it's like Tinder was for hookups and just one night stands and for people that weren't looking for a relationship. And then Bumble was more like women empowered, feminist ally vibes. And then Hinge was like more for relationships. I don't know if that's still the same. But is there, yeah, is like, what do you think of these different kind of cultures that are emerging with the with the dating apps? Hey, babe towns. So sorry to interrupt, but I simply had to pop my head into the lounge here and mention another virtual lounge that you've got to get around. It's the Labia Lounge Facebook group that I've created for listeners of the potty to mingle in. And there you'll find extra bits and bobs like freebies or discounts for offerings from guests who've been interviewed on the podcast, inspiring and thought-provoking conversations, and support from a community of labial legends. I also have an account on the fab new app Sunroom, which is a platform created by women for women and non-binary folk, and where there's no shadow banning or censorship of sex-positive content, unlike with the other platforms that I'm on. So you can hit up my sunroom for extra content and real and raw life updates because I'll be sharing on there from now on all of the stuff that I can't post anywhere else. My vision for both of these is that they become really supportive, educational and hilarious resources for you to have more access to me and a safe space to ask questions that you can't ask anywhere else. So head over to the links in the show notes and I'll hopefully see you in there. And now back to the episode. Yeah, I think you kind of said it perfectly. And, you know, to elaborate more on that, I would say Tinder, because it was first to market, they are obviously going to always be the lead player. And they've kind of transitioned into not caring so much about if people actually connect. I always like to say that they've kind of just became another social media platform where they just want people uh-huh. to stay on and swipe and they don't really care. And, you know, rightfully so to them, they were first to market. So, you know, they could do what they want. Um, And then Bumble evolved, right? So Whitney Wolf came from Tinder and, you know, she had some issues with the guys there. And she was like, I want to create an app and an environment that's pro women. And I'm a big fan of Whitney Wolf and like what she does. And I would say that maybe Bumble, it's great, but I think a lot of the women like it in theory, but they also are like, of course I like to be equal and like take the lead, but <laughs> I don't so much always like to take the lead where I was like, I would like the man to like me first sometimes. So I think it's, it, it works, but some people are not fully on board with that. And then yeah, Hinge is great. Like I met Hannah on Hinge and I would say the one thing, and I'm a big fan of Hinge by the way, but I would say the one thing that Hinge does is kind of like curates all the profiles that you see to like your preferences. And a lot of people get offended with the other profiles they see where they're like, oh, why am I being shown only people like this? Am I am I in that bucket? Oh. And it's uh it's weird. But I mean I'm I'm a big fan of Hinge. But I think that those three are definitely the big players. Yeah, wow. Okay. So fascinating to me. Um I love going on friends, um, like looking over their shoulder or like doing a bit of swiping for them just as like a vicarious activity now because <laughs> it's there's something exciting about the 
potentiality that around any corner or swipe there could just be this like unicorn of a human and um but something that I'd love to talk about is like I guess how dating culture has changed and I I it's purely through anecdotal evidence and you know my own personal experience chatting to people but it sort of feels like the apps have really shifted how we date and how we treat other people um, because it's almost like commodified potential partners or dates in this way that makes it like way more likely for there to be crap behavior like ghosting or, you know, casual hookups when maybe one party actually didn't want the casual hookup and um, misleading kind of, uh, you know, behavior because there's no accountability. Um, just there's so much, just the sheer volume of like, people and potential dates that we now have access to means that you know like it's just harder to feel like personalized because you know you'd get super overwhelmed you'd have this huge inbox full of different chats and matches um and I remember just like batching my opening message and making one that I could just copy and paste to everyone that was kind of applicable because it just got so hard to keep up with and I would just be like hey so and so um I'm just popping the kettle on how do you take your tea as like a really ambiguous opener that you know I was like well if they can come up with something creative back to that then you know off we go but um yeah like even I was just like I was trying to get some personality and some humanity in there, but it was still just a copy and pasted message because it just took so much energy to construct an individual one every time. And then most people wouldn't even freaking reply. So it'd be really pointless and draining. And anyway, I just noticed this like a massive amount of um, what would be totally unacceptable behavior in the real world, like real fuckboy behavior, poor communication, ghosting, just dudes generally not even treating me like a human because they could hide behind their screen and just toss me aside and keep swiping so easily without any need for communication or an explanation or justification. And so it just started feeling like this whole culture was so throwaway and so driven by immediate gratification and validation and it was kind of immature. Um, a bit like fast fashion, like, you know, where we have these just incredible amounts of choice with clothes, clothing, super cheap at our fingertips. You can buy it online. Every item I've heard is only designed to be worn like eight times before it just falls apart or it's thrown away. Um, so we don't value it and we don't invest in looking after it or treating it with respect because it's pretty much disposable. And I started feeling like humans were being treated like that, you know, a dime a dozen. Um, and so it was hard and, and it did also like for me as well, I started noticing myself sort of seeing other people in profiles in that way. Like I didn't ever stop treating people like humans with real feelings and lives and I was always respectful, but I got really good at just very quickly screening people and being like, nah, yep, nah, yep. Like, and I kind of didn't like how it was making me start to think. Um, so yeah, like, it felt like the apps became a bit of a tool for just like shitty behavior, dodging accountability in the dating world, like finding hookups and cheap throwaway connections, if you want to call them connections. Um, and it just changed the whole landscape of dating. And then people started being afraid to even meet in person. Like, oh my God, what do you mean you went on a real date? Like, <laughs> you know, so like, what have you noticed? Is that, was that your experience? Like, obviously you would have done a lot of research um, and you're in yeah. this world. So what do you reckon about the culture of dating since dating apps came about? Yes, I'm going to need your help to remember these three things. So one is taking it personal. <laughs> Two is the 
um, endless options. And then three is rejection mindset. Yeah. So the first thing, because you said all these and they really stuck with me because they're really important. So the first thing was taking it personal, right? And there was an article that came out, I think by Bustle. And it was a woman's point of view saying that she, everything you just stated, right? She hated fuckboys and she hated getting ghosted. And she did this research and she took a step back and she realized like, you're feeling that way as a human being, right? Like if that happened to you in real life, it's very valid, right? If you went up to a guy and he either didn't respond to you or he rejected you or didn't show up to a date, that's extremely valid and he's devaluing you as a human, right? I think taking it a step further and you being a user on a dating app, you're not a human being to that other person. And it sounds fucked up and it sounds crazy, but like if he goes to you or he uh, X's you out or doesn't accept your date, it's simply him just not seeing you as a person. It's seeing you as a number that day on the dating app. And I think that's the problem, right? And we have to understand on the other side of that is not taking it personal and realizing like this person has no idea who I am. They probably didn't even, they probably don't even remember what my profile looks like. So the fact that they ghosted me or didn't respond, it's because they just got hit with a new wave of numbers and their mind is all over the place. And understanding that on a dating app, you're not, again, this sounds so fucked up, but it's bad, but you're not a person to the other person unless they actually care, right? Which it very rarely happens. So I think not taking dating apps personally is super important. Um, because if you take it personally, like you said, you're going to go crazy. Think with all this rejection and ghosting because mm. it's just going to happen every single day. And mm. I think it's just mm. important for people to understand it's not you. It's just the app. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause you just get so jaded and bitter and like, yeah, it's fair enough. It's, it's overwhelming. We've all got so much going on and so many different people chatting to you and stuff. But even like I found once we, had met up or if we chatted for like a couple of weeks and you feel like there's rapport there, you feel as though you're building something, there could still be the ghosting and the because it's just not the same. And that's where, you know, things just get lost in text. We know this. We know it's not a great way of communicating. We maybe feel as though we've built connection and rapport, but in reality, it's just nowhere near. It's not going to replace what that same conversation or ground covered would have been like in person. Um, so I think that's good. It's like, if you're going to survive out there, you need to get fucking resilient and just not take it personally because everyone's, they're all just being cunts. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah and, and that brings me up to another point on top of the original three that I had was Ooh, okay. <laughs> in this, in this era, this new territory is so unique where people talk about the vetting process, right? And like, you know, oh, I want to wait two weeks till I meet the guy in person, or I want to know everything about him before I meet him. And again, that sounds good in theory, but as humans operate, each day that you talk to somebody through text or on an app, even if you're going to meet in two weeks, the odds of you connecting drop so much each really? day. Really? Yes. Because you start to create this perception of this person in your head that's not true, right? You're always going to make them better than they are or worse than they are. And you're just always going to be let down with who they really are as a person. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that that's a big thing to note is like you should try and meet somebody as soon as you feel kind of comfortable because – and again, be safe. Like tell your friends where you are and 
you know, make sure you're in a public spot. But my personal advice and my experience and through the research that I do, it's like if you actually want to try and connect with this person, you have to make it as soon as possible. Um, and it's interesting, wow. right? Because like in today's world, you want to Google somebody as much as possible, right? And it gets into one of my other points about this rejection mindset, right? We find reasons to reject somebody before we find reasons to accept them. And to me, it's crazy. It's just, I don't know why we're starting to operate this way, but it's like for the baseline should be like, if a guy treats or a guy or a girl, whichever, you know, way you're going, if that person treats you well and you have a good time with them and you're attracted to them. That should be the baseline on a building block to see what happens, right? Of course, if like you see no future or, you know, there's no attraction, you know, I would probably advise walking away, but that should be the baseline. What we do now is like find a reason why we shouldn't move forward, right? It's like through Googling them or through finding something that's wrong with them. It's like, oh, this guy's perfect on paper. He makes me so happy. Our kissing is great, but he doesn't make as much money as I want. So I'm not going to see him again. And it's like, well, why are you finding that one negative thing to throw him away or her away Mm -hmm. when they have so many, so many more important attributes to them that really what matter. And that's the rejection mindset that we're in today. And it's so funny because like before dating apps, if you met somebody on a first date, right? The amount of time you really got to know them came over a few dates, right? Like on the second date, you talk about deeper stuff. On the third date, you get more personal, right? And with a layer of trust, more comes out, right? But when that comes out, you've already built this foundation where you're not going to judge that person as much, right? It's like, oh, you might not align with me politically, or you might not see eye to eye with me about this, but we kind of really like each other and really vibe. So like, let's figure out how to make that work. Now it's like, we Google that person so thoroughly where it's like, you know what? This person that says did this on social media, I'm not even going to meet them. And it's like, well, it could be this, it could be so far from the truth of who that person actually is. And I think that's why this rejection mindset is, is really bad for dating as well. And what was the, uh, the third thing that I said? Oh, the, because the, we have endless options. <laughs> yeah. So it's so funny, right? A lot of people complain that on dating apps, a woman, a woman will get a lot more matches and likes than a man, right? But the top 10% get all those matches from the women, right? So like 90% of men just don't get much action on dating apps. But the most disappointed people on dating apps are those top 10% of men because they have so many options that they could be on a date with the most amazing person. But in the back of their mind, they're like, when I go home tonight, I'm probably going to find somebody who's just as good, if not better And I just want to explore all these options. And then after you do that for a few months, for a year, for two years, you start to realize like, what am I doing? Like, I'm just making all these women compete against each other in my head when that's not Mm. what's making you really happy if you actually want to connect with somebody, right? And those, those men are starting to realize like, shoot, I'm not putting my time and energy into this person when I actually want to connect with them because I'm thinking about the next person. So all this stuff is so fascinating to me, you know, understanding the dating app world. Totally, totally. And it's like it's kind of um, hijacking our brain and our chemistry in a very clever way. And I've heard of um, I've heard multiple different women talking about being on dates, 
like from a dating app and while they're on the date the guy is like swiping or talking or like they'll roll over in bed at night and he'll be like on the on the app already kind of lining up his next date and it's just like oh my god because I guess it's designed to be addictive in that way and if there are endless options you just never know the grass might be greener and yeah you got to explore that just in case that's the golden goose you know wow yeah so it's so funny because like what you just said is what 90 to 95% of people on dating apps do, no matter how great their first date was, right? So there's examples of when two people go on a first date, they have an amazing date, right? But because our brain is so trained to go home and swipe and go on social media, mm-hmm. after that date, we go back on the app and then we don't give that person who we just went on the date with time to like build a relationship with us because our mind is so preoccupied with the app itself, which is such a disservice to the date you just went on. Mm. And then on the contrary to that, if you go on a really bad first date, our mind is like, I need to fill some type of void here because that was such a bad first date. I need something to replace Mm. that. And again, that's such a terrible mindset in my opinion, because if you have a bad first date, you need to reflect and be like, well, why did I have a bad date? Was it something I did? Was it the type of person I'm trying to attract? And you should kind of give yourself a few days to dissect and reflect back on that date, but we don't, we just try and fill that void right away. And then we'll go on another date. And if that date's bad, then it just starts to snowball into like, Oh, all men are trash. All women are trash. You know, this is just the worst atmosphere ever. And we don't give ourselves time to like absorb what's actually going on. Totally, totally. It's, you know, it's cleverly designed. It's super addictive. I have a very, embarrassing story that I'm ashamed of. I think I've shared it on this podcast before, but a long time ago. But when I was really deep in the dating app world, briefly, um, I had to cut it out because it just got like so hard to put down my phone. But I was walking home from a gig once and it was, you know, maybe a half hour walk and I was swiping as I was walking and I wasn't looking where I was going. So I kind of wound up taking a wrong turn and getting lost and then like looked up and took a breath and I was like, oh, fuck, I don't know where I am. Um, and I had barely any phone battery, probably because dating app takes so much. And I like kind of got myself back on trap and then went back onto the app and was swiping, swiping, swiping. And I knew, I knew that my phone was dying. I was listening to music and I was like, damn, once my phone dies, I've got no maps, I've got no music. And I just couldn't stop. I was like, my finger was bloody. I was just swiping, swiping, swiping as I was walking. And I ended up walking like probably all up an hour because I kept taking wrong turns because I wasn't looking where I was going. And then my phone did die. And all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, like, what have I, what have I become? I've got, I've gotten myself into this position out of sheer addiction and like loneliness and need for validation. And I was like, wow, that's, not cool. I'm not cool about that. I'm not telling anyone about that. And, you know, anyway, now I'm sharing it on the podcast to make sure people know that they're not alone. It's fucking addictive and I get it. Well, that's the thing, right? And I think like, I think it's important for people to share their stories because everybody's, nobody's alone and everybody has some type of group that could really relate to them. And it's so interesting you say that because You know, when I do this, I always try and like pick up on news articles or things that are really prominent in the dating sector, but also in like the social behavior sector. And I think it was like two months ago, the US Surgeon General, right? He has no care for dating apps, but he came out with this study that said 
most young people from 20 to 30, uh, 20 to 40 are the loneliest they've ever been in the history of humanity. And he attributed a lot of that to instant gratification through social media, through technology. Mm. And, you know, I thought it was like, I thought it was him doing an article on first rounds on me. And I was like, wow, this is so perfect. I have to use this. (laughs) He was just kind of saying like the most important aspect of being a healthy human being is creating the other, the environment of other human beings around you and like building relationships, right? Like that's what that, that pays a plays a long way in longevity of life, right? Like I think they had a study that said like the people who live the longest have a lot of close relationships. And I think it's because like you have some type of relevance and like you're, you have some some type of care for another human being that keeps you going. And if you're just Mm -hmm. off on your own, you know, what do you have really to live for? And I know it sounds morbid, but it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Connection is just everything like it's it's a bit of an epidemic the loneliness that we're feeling and the disconnection I guess largely because of tech even though it's supposed to be connecting us more so yeah that's cool that that study came out that would you would have been jumping for joy because it's basically like the perfect advertisement <laughs> for your app um, <laughs> even with like ChatGPT right now right like a lot of these guys who created ChatGPT are really scared and they're telling everybody else like we messed up here like we need to pump the brakes because chat gbt is not only going to take away so many jobs but it's going to dehumanize all of us and like kind of make us go extinct in a way and when i hear stuff like that i'm like this is great because it's making even the most important people that make decisions in the world kind of readjust their mindset and saying like we might be going a little bit too far with technology and not Mm. using it in the right way Mm, mm. Well, it's good that they're at least admitting that and reflecting on that because that that kind of thing terrifies me and I get really frightened about where we're going. Um, But anyway, that's a whole other podcast. So I'd love to do the segment Get Pregnant and Die. Don't have sex because you will get pregnant. And uh, don't have sex in the missionary position. Don't have have sex standing up. Just don't do it. Promise. If you've got a sex ed related anecdote or story to share with us. Excuse the interruption, my loves, but I'm shamelessly seeking reviews and five star ratings for the potty because, as I'm sure you've noticed by now, it's pretty fab. And the more people who get to hear it, the more people it can help. Reviews and ratings help me curry favor with the algorithmic gods and get suggested to other listeners to check out. Plus, they make me feel really good and appreciated as I continue to pour my heart and soul into creating this baby for you. And I promise I don't maz over them or anything. I mostly just tuck them away for a rainy day when I'm filled with self-doubt and existential dread about being self-employed, which is fairly frequently. (laughs) So you see, leaving a review really does make a difference and it's an easy little act of support that you can take in just a minute or two by either going to Spotify and leaving five stars for the show or writing a written review and leaving five stars over on Apple Podcasts. Choose your poison, or if you're a real overachiever, you could do both. Whoa now. If you are writing a review, though, just be sure to only use G-rated words, because despite the fact that this is a podcast about sexuality, words like sex can be censored and your review won't actually show up. Lame. Anyway, oh, 
oh, what was that? Oh, you're going to go do it right now while I wait. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a great idea. May as well just quickly click that five-star button before we get on with it and, you know, like forget about it and get on with your day. Um, um, oh, I'm hearing them roll in. I'm hearing those five stars. <laughs> oh my God, I make myself cringe. Anyway, uh, thank you much, Lee. You're a total gem and I'll let you get back to the episode now. Great question. So I would say... <laughs> Hundred percent honest. I'm 33, and I don't think I got full sex ed until I met Hannah. Right, mm-hmm. so she's 33, she's 32, and um, yeah, I feel like it's super important the way that we kind of talk about sex and bring up sex to young adults because me personally, mm-hmm. I thought I knew some stuff and I knew nothing. Um, <laughs> I have one story and uh, Hannah, she's here. She'll probably love this. I don't know if she's ever heard this, but I was living in New York, right? And I was kind of just like, not, I wasn't like a one night stand kind of guy, but you know, I had fun and, you know, I valued my relationships with women, but I didn't really look to get into anything serious. And, you know, when you do, when you live a lifestyle like that, you don't really build a rapport with a woman to understand like what they actually want. Right. So it's kind of just like you're in, you're out. And However, it went, it went. And yeah. <laughs> I, I met this this girl on, I think, Bumble, right? And we both were in agreement, like, hey, like, do you want to come over tonight? You know, we never met. And she was like, yeah, yeah, I'll come over. And, like, she wasn't really my type, but I was like, you know, it's the middle of winter. You know, you just need to hang out with somebody. So she comes <laughs> over and, you know, we're, we're fooling around. And I think, like, she wanted me to, like, go down on her. And I, I I tried and I did. And she was like, do you actually know where like a clitoris is? And I was like, so taken back. I was like, (laughs) the fact that she like really grilled me like that. I was like, wow. And I was like, yeah, of course. And she's like, we're just down there for like 10 minutes and you didn't really do anything. And I was like, oh, all right. So. But to her credit, she handled it so well. She's like, do you want me to like teach you, you know, kind of what you, what, what I would like. And I was like, you know, my feelings were hurt a little bit. Like I was like, um, okay, fine. And, uh, she kind of just taught me a little bit about the uh, female body. And after I was like, she'll probably, she doesn't even know who I am, but she probably helped me get over a little hurdle in life where I was like, Wow. That was uh, a profound moment in my sexual life. But I think me being humble enough to share that, maybe more guys should ask questions or kind of get feedback from a woman because it was a tough situation to be in, but it made me realize like, okay, I need to start really understanding what's going on here. Oh my God, I love that. I mean, I didn't love the way she first approached that and kind of just made you feel shit and was like, what were you doing down there for 10 minutes? Like that doesn't feel constructive. But then at least she backed it up with some really great coaching and that would serve you well. And like amazing that you were able to receive that and not just go into a total spin because it is quite common, especially with men because, you know, and I talk about this almost too much on the podcast, but like we, we've we kind of conditioned our men to really attach their sense of self-worth and their masculinity and their ego with their sexual prowess and their ability to pleasure a woman and give orgasms and that sucks because obviously there's so much pressure on men then and their poor little egos are so fragile a lot of the time that when 
we do try to give feedback or guidance or show them how it's done, they're like, I don't need to be shown how it's done. Like, no, other women like it. Like, leave me alone. Like, and it kind of just is like, yeah, it, it doesn't, um, it's not exactly. welcome sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so good on yeah, you. I, well, I think, yeah, I agree with everything you said. And I think if you could find a woman who has that patience to do that with you, I think that's great. Like when I met Hannah, you know, at that stage of my life, I was getting better with everything, but (laughs) she kind of of was so amazing. was like, listen, I think a lot of guys watch porn and they think sex is not what it is. And, you know, this is what I like. And this is like, you know, the way I like to operate. And I think just that level of communication goes such a long way, especially when it's with someone like you actually care about. Right. And I think even with her, when I first heard that, like, so you're saying that this wasn't good? I was like, no, it's good. And she's like, no, it's great. But like, we could always make it better and better. And I was like, okay, that's a great way of putting it. And I think as you get to learn somebody and evolve with somebody sexually, like that's a beautiful thing. Oh my God, totally. And we love Hannah. This sounds great. Everyone should have someone to just guide them and hold their hand and be compassionate. Like it's a learnt skill, sex, pleasure, all of it. Learnt skills. We don't just come out of the fucking womb knowing how to give amazing cunnilingus and where the clitoris is. So, you know, we have to learn it somewhere. And unfortunately, most men in particular are learning it from porn, which is not good enough. And yeah, it's great. It's great that you were able to kind of just like swallow your pride and be humble enough to be like, you know what? No, this this is a little bit embarrassing, but it's an opportunity to learn and to improve and that's going to serve me well. So this can be a win-win situation instead of a lose-lose because I'm going to be a baby about it and my feelings are going to be hurt and then she's not going to get any pleasure and then it's going to be a weird situation. So good on you and yeah. thank you for sharing that. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I think just to, you know, compound on that, I think it's it's really nice when a woman gives you that safe space, right? Where it's like, yeah. hey, if you don't perform well right now, like it's totally okay. Like and and really making that guy feel comfortable because mm. you like you said, right? If a guy's ego's hit sexually, that's the end of the night and it could snowball mm-hmm. into like the future. So I think yeah. I think a really confident woman could just be like, listen, it is what it is, but like don't worry about it. This is a safe space. Like mm-hmm, everything happens. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's essential. And it's a massive part of what I teach to couples, to men, to women. It's so important to create that safe space for learning and for growing together. And I get totally heartbroken when I hear this really like kind of outdated um, attitude where the woman's like, man, like if he can't just like, pleasure me and give me orgasms and if he's not good in the bedroom then like I don't waste my time and I've heard from men you know that they've been in situations where they might have had difficulties with erections and keeping it and whatever and the woman's just been like oh well what are you good for then like and just being so awful and I'm like okay cool thanks babe that guy is now going to have erectile dysfunction for the rest of his bloody life unless he gets a shit ton of sex therapy because you've just created this like horrific insecurity like it's so stop like it's 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 awful it's awful when you know people stop treating others like humans and I think like there's really no excuse for that you you've like you've got to have the compassion and the empathy to recognize that this person's in a vulnerable position and you are in a position to help them 
learn and grow. And the only way to do that is with kindness and love and gentleness and patience. Yeah. Anyway, big rant. Um, thanks. I love that story. It's a really valuable little get pregnant and die. Um, so I'd love, I'd love to like, talk a little bit about the slang and the um I guess like the lingo in in dating culture because I'm super out of the loop I know what ghosting means but I read a few of the others like kitten fishing zombieing you know <laughs> cushioning and I was like I've never heard of any of this so I was wondering if you could go over a couple of your favorite like common terms that are now um helpful to understand what kind of goes on in in the dating app world yeah, so Hannah actually did a blog about this last week, so it's fresh on my mind. Um, so I think breadcrumbing is one that comes to mind, right? And I think that's like leaving little nuggets and stringing somebody along with never having, and she's probably going to correct mm. me on all of it, but, um, <laughs> never having the intention of you know doing anything with this person. But it's like always making sure you're leaving a little Ugh. breadcrumb around there. Yeah. Mm. Um, then I think zombieing is a cool is not it's not cool but this is a trending <laughs> one, um, and I think that's when someone from your past kind of comes back to the dead and it's like you know you could kind of feel that they're coming back for the wrong reason and it's like you know rising mm-hmm. back into your life to just cause hell for you. Mm-hmm. Um, orbiting right orbiting is when someone's just like staying around your perimeter and like they're they're always in your your bird's eye view, but uh, again, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. He's texting me some of them. I'm gonna see. Um, but yeah, those. I was, those- uh, I was curious. Kitten fishing. I was like, "What is that? I've never heard that." <laughs> yeah, so he actually talked talked to me about kitten fishing the other day. So I think kitten fishing is when you create you create a profile. But you enhance yourself so much that when you meet that person, it's kind of like uh, catfishing, but uh-huh. yeah, it's like the cousin of catfishing, but like, oh, uh, you don't look how you looked in your photos kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, okay. Well, that brings me to filters and this whole question, like all of our photos are so doctored and photoshopped and filtered these days that like, is there some way that you, there can be a function in the app that doesn't allow people to upload um, photos with all of these? Because people can just look absolutely like a completely different human with all of the um, apps for altering photos nowadays. And I've, I've never used them, so I'm not super familiar, but it seems like it's really common on social media. So is that like a major problem with dating apps? Yeah. So, I mean, I would say that First Runs on Me hasn't implemented that yet. And I don't know if any other dating apps have. I do know like that that's also really important to me, right? Especially like living in LA, you kind of see that firsthand, right? We have all these friends yeah. through social media. And then when we hang out with, our, with these friends in real life, it's like, wow, the person that you are on social media is not the person you are in real life. And it's sad mm-hmm. because it kind of goes back into that dating app world of, you're creating the perfect vision of somebody that when you meet them, essentially like they're uglier than they really are when in reality they're not right. It's just, they're, they're very different. And I think Mm. people need to embrace who they really are more. Um, But when it comes to like Instagram and social media and dating apps, I think it's super important. And I know that Sweden actually, I think it's against the law in Sweden and other Scandinavian countries 
to upload filtered pictures on Instagram. And Mm. I mean, that's fascinating to me because Mm. I think it even goes deeper than that. If you see like, you know, the Kardashians, right? The Kardashians are super smart. They're very successful. They're great. But they create these filtered images of themselves. And then all these little girls are so insecure because they don't look like that filtered image. And yeah, I think it goes hand in hand with dating, right? And I think Mm. hopefully we get to a point where you could tell, maybe there's like a way where we could code or there's an algorithm that says like Mm. filtered photo, right? You touch the photo, clearly filtered. Or, you know, when you're on Instagram and you do filter a photo and then you touch it, it shows the original and then the... Oh, wow. Imagine that. Maybe on the app, it could be like, you touch it. It's like, this is where it started and that is where it is. And this is, yeah. Well, you know what? You're welcome to that idea. Um, I reckon you should do it, implement it somehow, some way of coding, like, so that there's, yeah, there's, because it's, it's, um, it's just kitten fishing is rife. And like, people could even do it, um, without filters. Obviously, I used to like look at people's profiles and then I'd meet up with them and like the photos from like 15 years ago and like 20 kilos ago or whatever. And I hate to sound shallow, but sometimes like physical attraction is important. And also, you like, regardless of how well you get along, you feel kind of deceived and misled when you arrive and you're like, I barely recognize you from your photos. Like, that wasn't a very accurate portrayal. Um, and yeah, sure, it sounds shallow and vain, but I know most people have a massive issue when that happens to them. Um, so yeah, if, if we could eliminate the filtering, it's not like it doesn't still go on the whole kitten fishing thing, but fuck, filters are just bad news. So I reckon like get your team onto that. <laughs> We're going to work on it, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's bad to say that like looks matter because looks do matter, right? It doesn't matter and it doesn't it's not a shallow thing. It's right. Like it's, what are you attracted to? Right. You don't have to be attracted to Brad Pitt or, you know, Angelina Jolie, but it's like the first encounter that you have with somebody is a physical encounter. Right. So like, totally. that's that the first essentially breadcrumb to each other. Um, so yeah, I don't think it's shallow at all. Well, yeah, it's, it's the first thing, like if you were to meet organically in person, that's the first thing that you use to kind of filter out whether you are or aren't interested. And sure, sometimes maybe you're not physically attracted to them at first and you get to know them a bit better and you can become physically attracted to them. Definitely. But it is a pretty big component for most people. And, um, yeah, I think it's, it's like not really serving anyone to kind of mislead someone about your appearance because like, not going to go down well for you either like when they rock up and they're not going to be like oh well we just had such deep great chats on that dating app (laughs) that I'm really invested in you regardless of what you look like like it's going to throw them off and physical attraction is usually the first port of call when we're kind of out at the bar or whatever so yeah yeah and I think that's exactly what you said makes sense right like people would ask well you're kind of pushing two strangers to go on a date in real life like what if it's not what if that person doesn't look the way they really do? I say, of course, like use all the tools that we have to make sure it is, but that person would probably be really embarrassed if they actually went through with it because I feel like there'd be such a small percent of the population that are like, I'm going to show up to this date and I'm going to fully catfish somebody. And it's like super embarrassing. <laughs> <to me. laughs> yeah. Um, so what are some, uh, ways I guess yeah this kind of leads me into my next question because I was um uh, in my time using dating apps I got very very adept at 
like looking at profiles and screening them and like picking up on little things that in the beginning I didn't pay attention to, but over time I gained experience and started realizing like, okay, I've got to be more discerning and this profile is all the information I've got. I'm not very good at like Googling people and doing social media stalks. I'm just like a total Luddite with tech. And this was like eight years ago. And so I got really good at screening profiles and like picking up on red flags and, you know, um, just noticing things about their photos that were, yeah, red flags and told me, oh, they're not going to, they're not going to be for me or they're not going to look like their photos. Um, because uh, I just went on so many dud dates and had so many disappointments because I was definitely like keen to meet up quickly, but also some of them, like you would just chat for ages um, until you met and then you'd already like invested all this time and energy and you'd gotten excited and you were like, oh my God, like we've had really good banter, we're, we're connecting really well. And then it would just be even more of a disappointment when I rocked up and you know, so I kind of fine-tuned my ability to like basically judge a book by its cover, um, at least on the apps, just out of necessity to save myself from wasting so much time and energy and getting my hopes up. Um, I'm wondering like if you have any advice or you know of any really good uh, ways to kind of like what are some red flags and what are some green flags, I guess, or like common yeah. ones. Hey, me again. If you'd like to support the potty and you've already given it five stars on whatever platform you're listening on, I want to mention that you can buy some really dope merch from the website and get yourself a labia lounge tote, tea, togs. Yep, you heard that right. I even have labia lounge bathers or a cute fanny pack if that'd blow your hair back. So uh, if fashion isn't your passion, though, you can donate to my Buy Me A Coffee donation page, which is actually called Buy Me A Soy Chai Latte because... I'll be the first to admit, I'm a bit of a Melbourne cafe tosser like that. And yes, that is my coffee order. (laughs) You can do a once-off donation or an ongoing membership and sponsor me for as little as three fat ones a month. And I also have a Sunroom profile over on the Sunroom app, as I've mentioned. And I also offer one-on-one coaching and online courses that'll help you level up your sex life and relationship with yourself and others in a really big way. So every bit helps because it ain't cheap to put out a sweet podcast uh, into the world every week out of my own pocket. So I will be undyingly grateful if you support me and my biz financially in any of these ways. And if you like, I'll even give you a mental BJ with my mind from the lounge itself. Saucy. Um, I'll pop the links in the show notes. Thank you. Later. You know, I can only speak off of my experience when I did use them or like what I see now. And, you know, I don't really like the terms red flags and green flags because I feel like <laughs> in context, everyone's story is unique, right? So mm-hmm. I don't like generalizing red flags and green flags, but, you know, specific to dating apps, I think, in my opinion, what what would be a good profile, both from a man and woman, right? As a man, I would say, you know, women want to see more than we look like, right? So in your first photo, it should just be you right? And not a selfie, not a LinkedIn photo, just you maybe doing an activity, right? Where you could see your face and like, they know what you look like. And then, and then that person is you in the next few photos. Um, and then from there, I think showing your family, showing your friends, um, again, showing you doing things that you like, whether it's sport, um, vacation, travel, 
and kind of having genuine prompts and witty prompts. And that's kind of what I used to do from a man's profile. And what I would kind of look for in a woman, which is what led me to Hannah, was like, obviously, your first photo, I want to see you, but I don't want it to be a selfie, right? I feel like a selfie, in my opinion, is very self-centered. And I never wanted to be with a self-centered person, right? So I was like, does this person have a, a first profile photo that is them doing something, right? And then from there, I'm like, okay, let me see what they're about. And I think the more you fill out about your bio and what you do and what you like is great because if you're going to connect with, if you're going to meet somebody that actually wants to connect with you, they're going to pay attention to those things. And if you have those things in common, you at least have a few talking points, right? So that's super important to me. And in the photos, I think I always would not go with somebody who had any selfies. I was a big anti-selfie guy just because. I feel like there's so much more to express through photos. Why are you wasting a photo on just that? Um, and I like the activities, right? Like I like if you're maybe playing volleyball. And I think I think activities are a good way for a woman to kind of be subtle about being proud of her body, right? Because sometimes maybe women don't feel comfortable about posting a, a bikini photo or they don't feel or they feel like they're being sexualized, right? And I think like if you could post a photo of you playing like volleyball and you want to show your body off, I think that's a great way of doing it, um, in my opinion. Mm. And then I think like, again, showing your family, showing your friends. Big thing for me was like, do you have any kids in your profile? Not kids that are yours, which doesn't matter to me, but like, are you good with kids, right? Like I want to meet and connect with somebody who likes being around kids. So I think all these things are important, in my opinion, if you want to connect with somebody. Mm. Oh, my God. Just so again, awesome. that's just my opinion. It could be totally yeah. not someone else's taste. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was super frustrating when people would have hardly any info or photos on their profile. And I'm just like, how am I supposed to, like, do you even care? What are you here for? Like, give me something. I need something to work with so that I can vet whether we're actually, like, potentially compatible um and I suppose just like in terms of once you get chatting in the behavior um and communication on dating apps is there anything that you kind of feel like would be a big sign just cut it off like this person isn't um I mean I guess with your app like it's only you know you're kind of negating like it's only that 12 hour window so it's kind of like not going to go on for ages so that's kind of good yeah I would say like when I, again, when I would use them, in my opinion, if, if I was trying to initiate a date with somebody and they gave me like a specific place that they wanted to go to, and it was like very high end, you know, if that's their preference, that's fine. But it's not something that I align with, especially on a first date. It's like, mm. why are you trying to go so exclusive so quickly? And it gives me the wrong impression of what you're trying to do. Um, and then- oh, That's so interesting. Yeah, big thing like when when Hannah and I connected, even like through texting once we were off the app, it was like banter, right? Like, are you asking me questions back? Is it easy to just communicate with you? And, mm -hmm. you know, if I would talk to somebody and they wouldn't ask me any questions back, mm -hmm. again, I was like, you're kind of just answering my questions and it feels like a job. So it's like, yeah. I don't really want to continue to ask you questions. So if the conversation doesn't like flow without questions or you're not going back and forth, I would probably be like, you know, this is going to replicate itself in person as it does on the app. 
Yeah, it's so much work when people aren't really meeting you in the middle and they're kind of just like giving you one or two word answers and they're not really responding with a question of their own. And it's like, well, this isn't a conversation. Like, why are you making me work so hard for this? You're fucking boring. Um, Big red flag for me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, amazing. So I'd love to squeeze in the segment TMI. So this is where I asked for a TMI story, if you're comfortable sharing one, Uh, because like you were saying earlier, like if you're humble enough to share personal stories that might be a bit vulnerable or a little bit embarrassing or whatever, um, that's really helpful for other people. It can be relatable. It can be inspiring. It can feel empowering for others to hear us speak about um, these topics that are generally shrouded in stigma or shame or taboo. So with all that said, do you have a TMI story that you feel to share? Now, is this like sexually or in life or? It can be anything. Often it's sexual, but it doesn't have to be. And it doesn't have to be like a funny story. It could be a vulnerable story or just, you know, a sad story. It really doesn't matter. You kind of take it where you want to. So when I was about 23, I went to Madrid with a friend of mine, right, to go stay with his family. So we go to this bar for New Year's, right? And the waitress doesn't speak English, right? But in Europe, apparently, I don't know if it's the same in Australia, but you don't tip, right? At the bar? No. Yeah. So we went to the bar and I was tipping her like $5, right? Which is normal in the US. And she kept saying to my friend in Spanish, like, who is he? Like, why? Does he have a lot of money? Like, why does he keep tipping me? And he played it along, right? So we pretended like I was like this big shot. So... We end up going on on a date the next night. And again, like I don't speak Spanish and she doesn't speak English, right? So we're on a date. We're not speaking to each wow. other. And we kind of like communicate to to go back to her place, right? So we go back to her place and, you know, we, we, we have sex. And after sex, like she was really fascinated with the dollar bills, right? So throughout the night, I, I gave her a dollar bill because she was like, this is so cool. So... After we were having, after we had sex, we were just laying there and I had a $5 bill, right? And I was like, Hey, like you should keep this one too. Like, this is really cool. And she was like, what? And I was like, Oh, like, look, it's a different, it's a different note. So she's like, get out. And I was like, what? So she's like, opens her apartment door and I'm in the middle of Madrid. Like, I don't know where I am. And she's like, get out. So I'm like, do you want me to sleep on the couch? Like, if you feel more comfortable, I'll sleep on the couch. Like, I'm so sorry. Like, did I do something wrong? And she's like, get out. So I'm like, shit, what, like what happened? So now it's four in the morning and the only number I have is my friend's parents. We're staying at his parents' house, right? So I'm calling the house and the dad is like losing his shit, right? So I tell my friend, you know, like, yeah, I need you to pick me up. So he's like, give me a landmark. So I give him a landmark and he comes, picks me up. And he's like, what happened? I said, I don't know. Like we, we fooled around and then she kicked me out. Like, I don't know if I was really that bad. Like, I don't know what happened. So he's like, oh, shit, I don't know. So the next morning he texts her because they, you know, he was speaking Spanish and he's like, you know, why did you kick Joe out? Like, he's really curious. Did he do something wrong? And she's like, yeah, he thought I was a prostitute. He tried to pay me for sex. And he's, and he goes like, wait, you tried to, he's like, you tried to pay her for sex? I was like, no. And he's like, he said, she said you were giving her money after sex. I was like, yeah, I was showing her what a $5 note was. And I was like, here's like a $5 note because she thought she thought it was cool. And he was like, oh, my God, dude, she's pissed. She thinks that you think she's a prostitute. I was like, oh, my God. 
Oh my god, perfect TMI. Fuck, that is wild. I can't imagine what it would be like to go on a date with someone where there was such a big language barrier. Like that's how do you, how does that even go? Like was it Yeah, I guess like in that circumstance it was more like about the physical attraction. Yeah, I mean, I was super young, so it was like really cool and I <laughs> we went out for a drink and I think we both knew where it was going, but uh yeah, yeah, yeah. So bad. I was like, wait, was I like really that bad at sex? Or like did I do something that was disrespectful? And yeah, yeah. it turned out what I was paying her for the sex. And I was like, no, that's not what happened. <laughs> oh bless. Oh my God. Well, I can see how that misunderstanding would have happened, but um also hilarious and you're just trying <laughs> to do a cute thing. So <laughs> I hope that she believed your friend that that wasn't your intention. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Well, thank you so much for, yeah, just all of your knowledge and your fun stories. Is there anything that you'd like to kind of leave us with or actually quick question, is this available in Australia or just in the US at the moment, your app? No, it's available in the US and I think our top requested country outside of the US is Australia and Hannah Mm. has repeatedly told me that she thinks the app would be perfect for Australians because you guys are so forward. Um, so I think she's making a big push for me to open in Australia so that we can move there. Yeah. So we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can add add my vote to that. I reckon it would go gangbusters here and it's obviously very needed. Like dating app culture here is gross um, <laughs> and everyone's feeling pretty disheartened and shitty about it and there's this kind of resurgence of like speed dating events and conscious dating events and it's just like nah, we we need something like this obviously. Um, but, yeah, anything you wanted to leave us with, any dating tips or any kind of words of uh, wisdom or anything you wanted to just like plug before we jump off? Um, yeah, I mean, as far as dating goes, I think, you know, it doesn't really matter. You could be looking for whatever you want, right? Whether that's a relationship or just to have fun and nothing, there's no right or wrong answer to that. I think it's important that you're just always upfront and intentional with the person on the other side, right? Just make sure that there's mm. a clear understanding of what your intentions are, because if your intentions are to just hook up and the other person's okay with that, that's great. But, mm-hmm. you know, just making sure you're both on the same page before you go on a date or before you communicate. I think that could alleviate a lot of the miscommunication and problems with just dating in general. So my advice to everybody is just communicate more, be more intentional. It's attractive when you communicate. Um, So that's kind of what I want to leave my words of wisdom in the dating world to you. And um, yeah, just for people who want to do the most with their life, just, take risks, take chances. You never know what could happen. And it's fulfilling to just go down the path of trying things, even if they don't work. So just Mm -hmm. do what you think you're capable of doing and you never know what could happen. Yeah. Amazing. Thanks so much, Joe. Awesome. It's been, yeah, so fun having you. Yeah. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing this come out. And if people want to find me where first rounds on Joe is my Instagram and first rounds on me is the app. So thank you so much awesome. for supporting. Yeah, I'll pop the links to all of that in the show notes for everyone as well. And I will hopefully be first on the list to know when it's available in Australia and I'll pass that on to the listeners as well. Awesome. Thank you. And that's it, darling hearts. 
Thank you for stopping by the Labia Lounge. Your bum groove in the couch will be right where you left it, just waiting for you to sink back in for some more double L action next time. And in the meantime, if you'd be a dear and subscribe, share this episode, or leave a review on iTunes, then you can pat yourself on the snatch because that, my dear, is a downright act of sex-positive feminist activism. And you'd be supporting my vision to educate, empower, demystify, and destigmatize with this here podcast. Also, I'm always open to feedback, topic ideas that you'd love to hear covered, or guest suggestions. So feel free to get in touch via my website at freyograph.com or say hey over on Insta. My handle is Freya underscore graph underscore YMT, and I seriously hope you're following me on there because damn, we have fun. We have fun. Anyway, later labial legends. I'll see you next time.